Thanks to Health IQ for supporting The Motley Fool. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance. To see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com fool to take the proprietary Health IQ quiz and potentially save up to 41% on premiums. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Tuesday, February 11th, and I'm your host, Emily Flippin. 2019 seemed to be the year for IPOs, but after nearly a month and a half into 2020, there was very little excitement that was until last week. Joining me today to talk about the latest and greatest S1 filed is Motley Fool contributor Jason Hall. Jason, thank you so much for joining. I'm happy to happy to be on with this. This is the first time you and I have recorded a show together, so I'm pretty excited about that. It is, and I'm excited about the topic that we have today because it's one that, you know, anytime you get a new S1 filed, it's always really exciting for investors. Um, and that S1 is actually one of the world's leading music entertainment companies, Warren Music. Um, they filed their S1, which is essentially just a document outlining its intent to list as a public comp- company, and it's getting a ton of attention. So it's fun to have you on and talk about that. Uh, but Jason, do you think this is anything really to get excited about? May I mean maybe you know uh, uh, nobody don't uh, don't go on Twitter and start adding me about this for giving a definitive maybe answer here. Um, but I mean Warner Music is one of the big three, right? They're they're one of the biggest record labels in the world. Um, they they have some of the biggest names. And music entertainment signed on their on, on their label. Um, there's a good chance if you listen, if you stream music this week, you're probably going to hear, um, you know, 15 percent of the stuff you listen to is probably Warner Music. So I mean, this is a massive, massive label, um, and you know, scale really matters um, in the industry right now. Um, I, but I think I think the 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 reason I'm not really super gung ho is. Uh, the 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 re- the purpose for this for this uh, this IPO isn't to generate capital for Warner Music to use to pay down debt or to invest in growth. It's a cash out for the for the private equity investors that that own it now. So that 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 doesn't uh, so that's where I'm a little bit iffy. Yeah, it's rare that we see companies filing just for the purposes of getting previous shareholders out. It means that there's really not going to be a lot of capital for Warner to raise from this to reinvest and grow the business. But I do have to think that there has to be some sort of of tailwind here for the music industry. Now, granted, there's a lot of intricacies in the industry, but as a company that generates a majority of its revenue from the sale of digital music, I'd have to imagine that the overall shift to digital music streaming must be a boon for a company like Warner, right? Yeah, you're, you're spot on. Uh, in the S1, Warner mentions the word streaming. They use the word streaming 143 times. <laughs> um, so that's a, that's a, there you go, right? That's a pretty significant thing. Uh, they, they said that they <clears throat> became the largest, that the largest source of uh, their revenues became streaming in 2016. Uh, they claimed that they were the first um, major label that 
Uh, streaming became the majority of the revenue soonest. They said they were the first to get to streaming as being their biggest revenue. So they like to think that they're progressive and really going after after this this new revenue opportunity. And I mean, this is where consumers are going, right? Um, <clears throat> there's a lot about um, there's a lot in the S one about the percentage of the population and markets that are paying for streaming. You know, just looking at market penetration. Um, yeah, they also talk. So it's it's kind of two things, right? It's the streaming, the growth of streaming, but it's also the growth of streaming and developing markets. China is mentioned over thirty times in the S one, um, and then this uh, uh, this an, an interesting thing about this too for anybody that's 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 considering it is you don't just have the S one to look at. This is a company that's reported quarterly earnings filings. Uh, for 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 a number of years, because of the way part of its debt structured is a public debt, it still has to file with the some of these things with the SEC. So you can go back and look at the past few years, and you can see that streaming derived revenue consistently has grown at a higher rate than Warner's overall revenues. Yeah, when I hear you say that, Jason, I have to think that the flip side of that coin is that uh, the kind of handful of streaming music giants, I'm thinking Apple, iTunes, or Spotify's, those types of companies, would have a lot of control over maybe the pricing of Warner's music, right? So, if they're the only people that are really making streaming music accessible, and a huge number of people are now streaming or digitally downloading their music, do you think that that takes away some of, of Warner's pricing power? No, I, I really, I don't think so. Um, and to the contrary, in the S S one, uh, Warner talks about how rising prices down the road, and I think part of it's going to be as we see more consolidation um, in in the different streaming uh, outlets, uh, is likely to be good for the company. Uh, what you have to remember is, at the end of the day, uh, listeners they're going where the where the music that they want is, right? And Warner has a massive library. Some of the biggest musical acts in the world. Some, some of the, you know, if you think about older music, um, the, this is the, the the Warner Chapel. They have this massive collection of really popular music from you know the past 80, 100 years. Um, so a good, I think a good industry to compare this to is you th- look at Spotify and you know Pandora, and Apple Music, iTunes. Uh, they're distributors, so it's kind of like Netflix and kind of like Amazon Video, Amazon's Prime Video service. Um, and if you look where, if you look at where Netflix and and Amazon Prime have invested huge gobs of money over the past few years, they've invested in developing content that they control, right? So you think about, for example, Disney, which is closer to uh, maybe like analogous to to Warner Music. Disney owns this massive amount of content, and now they're they're moving to launch a standalone streaming business. So I think the point is that. Content is content is really king, and it's just as it is with with video entertainment. It's the same with music. The Spotify's of the world, I mean, they ha- they have to keep the content owners happy. I'm I'm not saying, you know, I'm gonna that we're, I think we're not gonna see Spotify go spend billions of dollars to acquire exclusive content, kind of like we've seen with uh, with the streaming uh, distributors with the with the, the Netflixes and the Amazons of the world. But the point is that the companies that have the best content. Are the ones with the leverage, not distributors. I mean, you, again, you think about it. If you're, if if you're if you're Netflix and you're losing a really popular streaming content, guess what? Customers going to leave your your platform and go to where that content is, or maybe just subscribe to the content where it is. So that's the the leverage again. It's with the content owners. That makes a lot of sense, and I actually think a lot of listeners may actually digitally stream music 
from Warner while they're doing really important health-improving things like exercise or cooking healthy meals. If you're a listener and you're a runner or a cyclist, if you're in the CrossFit or if you're a vegetarian, then we think you deserve to be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable rates on life insurance. When you do healthy things like average eight hours of sleep per night, eat a healthy plant-based diet, or exercise four or more times a week, you're clearly doing everything you can to ensure you live a long life. Shouldn't you be financially rewarded for your commitment to this healthy lifestyle? Introducing Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates for people like you on life insurance. Health IQ can help you save up to 41% because physically active people have significantly lower risks for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. You don't have to listen to Warner's music while you do it, but these savings are exclusive to Health IQ, and you must qualify to get this special rate. To see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com fool to take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending upon your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums. That's healthiq.com fool. So, you know, I, I kind of want to move on, Jason, to what we're seeing in Warner's financials. Um, obviously, that's the big hot topic with this S1 coming out. What were some of your, I guess, green and red flags you had when sifting through this S1? Yeah, I'm going to start with the red flags. And the kind of the first one that jumps out at me is not a specific financial metric, but it's, 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 it's really its control, right? So the, the short history behind Warner Music uh, for a long time, Warner was was publicly held, and then uh, it went private, and then it w- went public again for a few years, from what like 04 to 2011 or some something like that. Um, and then um, Access Industries, uh, which is a private equity uh, investor that buy, that buys and invests in in multiple different industries, uh, took it private in in 2011. And essentially, what's happening now is they're, I think they're looking to raise a couple hundred million dollars by selling an equity by selling an equity stake and taking it public, but there's they're going to create a dual share class, and Access Industries and its affiliates are going to retain complete control, right? They're going to be able to there's uh, so the shares that you'll be able to buy, you're not going to be able to to vote to to really make any change in the company, um, and that that. Yeah, that's that's something that's a little bit concerning. Again, it's 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 you know it's the owner is cashing out, but still retaining control. So that's not a great alignment with uh, with uh, <clears throat> with retail investors like us. I'm just I don't I don't really love that about about the way this is being IPO'd. Uh, the second thing that's that's um, it's more of a yellow flag, uh, but it could be a red flag is is leverage. Uh, the 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 company has about three billion dollars in long term debt. And there's no, there's not a plan in place to pay that down or reduce it. Uh, to the contrary, if you read the S1, it talks about debt. Uh, this is kind of vague. Um, it's vague enough that, I mean, my expectation, I would imagine, because again, this is a growth industry, um, I would imagine the debt could go up before it goes down. Um, hopefully, to fund uh, growth initiatives. Um, you know, again, debt isn't a bad thing on its own, but any company that has debt and uses a lot of debt leverage has a thinner margin of error. And investors could get burned if debt, um, you know, if debt does become become an issue. Um, this is this is a company that's planning to um, uh, initiate a dividend. We don't know what the dividend is going to be at this point. Um, so those are you know those are kind of things that can kind of get hurt if if debt becomes a bigger issue. 
um, if the company's not generating enough cash to service the debt. Um, so the third one, it's it's kind of it's kind of like one A really because it's tied to the control. Again, the purpose of the IPO, and I mentioned this on the you know on the outset, the, the, the Warner Music is not raising cash. Warner Music's investors are selling a stake for themselves to 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 receive some some cash proceeds. So the company is not getting a cash infusion to do anything at all with whatsoever. Um, so again, the purpose of this IPO isn't to put Warner Music in a better position. It's just to to allow the 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 current owners to to capitalize on the value. But again, they're not giving up any control in exchange in exchange for selling some of the equity stake in the company. So if you look at the green flags, I mean, there's really, there's a lot to like as, as you know as we've talked about. This is a growth industry. Um, <clears throat> revenues increased you know, 12% in each of the past couple of years. Uh, as we talked about earlier, digital revenues like streaming are growing at a higher rate than consolidated revenues. Uh, there's a ton um, of, 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 think about the long-term trends. You know, the, the world's going to add about a billion people to the middle class over the next decade. And you can guarantee that a lot of those people are going to be paying for premium music streaming on their on their smart devices, right? So, so this this should be a really great long term growth industry. Uh, also, we talked about it earlier. This is, is this is a company that's on the right end of the music value chain. It owns the content. Um, you know, it's 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 in a position to remain profitable while the distributors, all the streaming companies, while they fight the competitive battles. For uh, for for listeners, right? Uh, do you know? Do you think about it, if you're? Do you want to really you know, want to be the streaming service that doesn't doesn't have Ed Sheeran or Cardi B or or Pink Floyd on on your site, right? You can't you can't you know that's the thing. You you can't you have to have the best content. That's how you that's how you grow the number of subscribers on your on your platform. Uh, and again, it's one of the big three, and scale really matters in this space. So this is another really big green flag for me. Um, it's, and again, it's not just that it has a big collection of, you know, Eastern, uh, of, you know, of, of Western talents. It's not just, you know, the American, uh, music acts or, you know, European music acts. Um, Warner music has a big presence in developing markets like China, uh, the Middle East, um, <clears throat> Africa is more of the world enters the middle class. You know, people are going to want to hear artists who are popular where they live, not just Katy Perry, right? So I think that's a that's a really important thing. And and lastly, this is a I mean, this is a kind of a cash cow business. It's consistently generated, um, you know, more than four hundred million in operating cash flow in each of the past three years. And if if this does turn out to be a you know a decent dividend stock, a dividend growth stock, uh, you want a business that is consistently able to generate strong operating cash flows. So those are those are the you know those are the kind of the four things that really stand out to me, the growth industry, it's a, it's it's uh, on the right end of the value chain, it has the scale and it's investing in, in markets where the growth is going to be, and it's a cash generating business. So I like those those things about it a lot. Yeah, I, I don't want to downplay the importance of of kind of the moat that a company like Warner Media has right. in front of them, but at the same time, a lot of stuff you mentioned does rub me the wrong way when you have operating yearly operating cash of around 400 million but 3 billion dollars in long term debt especially in a low interest rate environment like we've seen today i mean something about that just just strikes me as strange and then additionally planning on paying out dividends instead of i don't know lowering the debt in case the interest rate environment changes these are the right. sort of things that kind of make me wonder about management 
Yep. I think you have to be leery. And again, I think it's part of, you know, again, this is, you know, kind of the private equity mentality, right? You know, use leverage as much <laughs> yep. as you can. So good point. Really, really good point. Yeah. And and when I think about the management, I, I and not to not to put too much emphasis on this, but I thought their CEO, Stephen Cooper, was really interesting. So he's been in place since 2011. Uh, but at one point, he was the uh, so-called turnaround man for Enron <laughs> and seems to have no visible connection to the media space at all. How do you feel about, I guess, Warner's leadership? Yeah, that's you know that's one thing that does kind of stand out a little bit. And you know you notice he came in when um, when Warner Music was taken private. You know he was mm-hmm. kind of the guy that was brought in by the by the new ownership. Um, and and you know I think it's I think it's okay, it's okay. But if you look deeper into the company past uh, past uh, Cooper and you look at the rest of their executives, you look at the the CEOs of their the various labels, um, and you look at their operations people. Uh, these are these are people that do have deep music industry background. Um, I think I think that that's um, maybe more important in the music industry um, than any other. That you have people with specific industry background because it's such a relationship industry. Um, you know, people have to be connected to the music scene to to find the new artists, to find up and coming artists to help sign and develop. Um, so it's really, really important. And, and I think that the, the Warner does have that in spades. Um, so I, I'm not overly concerned that that that, that Cooper is is not somebody with you know you know 20 or 30 years in the music industry. I mean, he's been he's been running Warner for you know going on a decade now. So, you know, at this point, if he's if he's not if he's not seasoned, then <laughs> then it doesn't matter. And again, I think a big part of this too is that it gets back to the control aspect, right? This is still a company that's going to be controlled by a private equity um, <clears throat> investor that's still going to have complete control over it, and their you know their their interests might not align with you as a common shareholder. So, I think that's you know that's that's my bigger concern than anything. Yeah. And I don't want to get too existential on you here, um, but I, I guess I'm just kind of curious about how you feel about the music industry in general. Uh, from my perspective, and granted, I'm not somebody who does a lot of music streaming, so maybe I'm not the best audience, but I, I see Warner as being quite the legacy player. And sometimes when I look at the music business, it almost reminds me of like used car sales and car dealerships. They're this kind of legacy way of purchasing vehicles. Regulations have kept the industry intact, despite the fact that everybody hates the process of having to buy a car. And I kind of feel like maybe musicians hate the process of having to produce and sell music. Uh, and we've seen some players come out and change the game a bit. But how do you feel about Warner's legacy moving into the future? Do you, is this an industry that's ripe for disruption? Or is this just a company that has an incredible moat that's going to persist for the foreseeable future? So I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself a little here. Um, you know, I, I lived through the 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 most serious existential crisis that the recording industry faced. Um, it's almost 20 years ago when um, uh, you know when the idea of of online music first became a thing and digital downloads and there was a little website called Napster that almost killed the industry. Um, where frankly it was you could go online and you could download this little app and you could. Um, you could you could pirate music, right? And music music piracy was a big thing, um, and it took the industry by surprise. And luckily, another little company that's not so little anymore called At- called Apple mm. showed up with uh, this great website where you could pay a buck and you could buy a song. 
and um, you know you weren't stealing anything, and and that you know kind of brought things brought things back. But a lot of labels really really struggled, and artists also struggled, right? Um, but you fast forward to today, and yeah, I don't I don't think I, I think the industry is probably as strong now as it's ever been. And in a lot of ways, the current model um, is is probably just going to get just going to get stronger because again, it gets back to scale really mattering. If you're if you're an up up and coming artist, uh, signing with a big label is in your benefit because it can expose you to markets that you simply couldn't have access to, and in, 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 with with. Um, you know, trying to go on your own or with a smaller independent label. It's just the industry has changed so much because of streaming, right? You need access. And, and the, the big, the big three particularly, you know, have, have massive access to all of the streaming platforms, uh, to new markets. And I think that that really matters a lot. So, um, yeah, I think this is, this is, this is a great time to be in this industry. Um, I think you can, you can count on double digit growth rates, uh, again, we talked about some of the demographic trends. You think about the the global middle class, you know, adding a billion people in a decade. Um, <laughs> that's a massive. <laughs> and then you start then you start looking at the penetration rates. You know, the, how many people have cell phones? How many people have a music streaming app on their cell phone? You know, all of those things are just going to go go higher from here. So, so I definitely like the industry. I like the space. There's just not a lot of pure plays, ways to invest in it. And I think I think Warner is really looking to capitalize on that um, with with this IPO because it's going to be a relatively unique uh, investment for uh, for retail investors to be able to participate in that opportunity. Yeah, I guess I just want to end off on on one last question for you, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, but from 2004 to 2011, before the new CEO came in, uh, Warner was an independent publicly traded company, and it did terribly for shareholders. So. Do you think this is different over the next five to seven years? Is this an IPO that the average retail investor should be excited about? I think it has the potential to be different, right? So first of all, if we just think about the the the, the environment, you know, we go back to you know 04 to 11. Um, you know, first of all, it was yeah that was kind of you know some of the worst of of the piracy stuff was 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 wrapping up in 04, and then you fast forward four more years, and then you've got you know the global financial crisis. So you know the timing was 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 not great, um, and and at that point Warner was still much like rest of the other the the other labels, you know, trying to sell CDs, right? Trying to make money that way, and hadn't really fully embraced the way that consumers were were moving and the way that consumers wanted to to buy and consume music. And the other thing that's happened is is streaming has become, you know. Just it's mainstream now, right? People, people. That's how people consume music is is through through streaming apps. So I think there's certainly the potential for this to be a great investment, with the caveat that the S one that we have so far is is very limited. We do we don't we don't know what the IPO price is going to be, so we can't really work a valuation to determine, you know, what the prospects are. And then we also have to value in when we do get those things. What is the what is the control premium, right? How much how much how much premium are, are investors not going to be able to get because you know it's the 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 private equity that owns the company now is going to continue to have complete control, and you know whatever they choose to do may not be aligned with shareholders. They might sell part of their stake 
you know, in a private deal and, and, and investors don't realize any of the premium for that. So again, let's don't at me anybody, but let's go back to my initial, my initial answer. It's uh, decidedly maybe, in other words, I think that there's potential there, but until we know a little bit more, it's really, really hard to say. So I think this is a great one to put on your on your watch list, read, study about it, and then as Warner starts giving us more information as they move closer to actually, go, uh, you know, actually having an IPO and we start having a price, yeah, then we can reevaluate. That makes sense. I can't wait to see where this one ends up. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining today. This was fun. Definitely. Uh, Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or just want to reach out, shoot us an email at industryfocus@fool.com or tweet us at MFIndustryFocus. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass today. For Jason Hall, I'm Emily Flippin. Thanks for listening and Fool on! Fool on!